Welcome to Lawyers Living Well, a production of the State Bar of Georgia's Attorney Wellness Committee and the Lawyers Assistance Program. Lawyers, this is your resource for all things wellness. It is our goal to encourage you to live well. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Lawyers Living Well podcast. Today, we welcome to our podcast Chief Justice Harold Melton of the Georgia Supreme Court. Chief Justice, for years, I have heard you advocate for the SOLACE program, which connects lawyers and judges who have experienced a life-changing event, such as a house burning down, with our colleagues who want to help. So I know without question that you are deeply committed to the well-being of our state's judges and lawyers. Today, I have a few questions for you related to our current disruption during the pandemic, both as it relates to your activities as Chief Justice and as a person like the rest of us, dealing with the challenges of the past few months and on an ongoing basis. So first, and this is with your Chief Justice hat on, more or less, how did you make the difficult decision to invoke statewide judicial emergency in the state of Georgia for the pandemic? and later the decision to extend it, which happened just a couple of days ago. Knowing that even a partial closing of the courts is disruptive to judges, litigants, and the parties. Well, in some ways, those questions were difficult, as you indicated, but in some ways, the answers became fairly self-apparent. We had trial court judges largely out in the communities that were seeing people uh, who were testing positive, people who were getting rushed to the hospital. These were people in their offices, in the clerk's offices, uh, people who had had sat on juries. And so there was a time in early March where there was a lot happening all throughout the state and the judges were beginning to panic. And it became really clear that something had to be done immediately. And so the answer made itself pretty evident. And it was clear at that time that we needed a statewide uh, answer. Uh, and, and, and so that's what we did. And when we did that, we, we didn't shut down. I'm proud to say that our courts did not shut down. We trimmed back and reduced our services to those which were critical to protect health and safety. And so courts all throughout the state adjusted. And so even the extension became self-evident because one, the the governor's declaration is still continued. Two, we're still sheltering in place. Uh, Three, we're still not at a position where we can get out and have jury trials and have mass groups of people come in. So until then, we we still cannot operate as usual. And we have to be realistic about the plight of of the community because lawyers, parties uh, are, you know, still struggling from time to time to get briefs done. And so there are real practical implications that make it hard for cases to get moving again. So we really didn't have any other choice but to extend the the, de- the declaration again. Thank you, Chief Justice. And speaking for myself, I'm not a trial lawyer. I've always been a transactional lawyer. But having certainty in the midst of all of this uncertainty is helpful to everybody. Everyone benefits knowing that you've thought about the things that you just discussed. Um, As a follow-up question, I'd like to ask, what are your thoughts on how to get back to jury trials eventually? 
Every part of court life, from opening courtrooms to the public, to gathering witnesses, to impaneling juries, is going to be problematic and stressful to all concerned. So what are your thoughts on that? Right. And and so, and and add to that, the idea that at some point we're going to have to have jury trials or we're going to have to change our constitution. But, you know, there's the, the, the notion of a jury trial is so embedded in who we are as a country. And so how long can we go without actually having jury trials? So that we, we've really got to find workarounds. And uh, so, for example, one of the workarounds that we're looking at is just taking a big major piece of the jury trial process and seeing if we can do that in a way that doesn't require mass groups of people to come together. So the voir dire process, the jury selection process, that typically involves calling 100, 200, 300 people, having them sit in a room, having those people march into a courtroom, have them all sit, and then asking questions. We're looking at whether it makes sense to, instead of bringing the people out of the jury room into the courtroom to ask questions, keep them in the jury room so, so you have more space and can do more distancing. So everybody go in there and ask questions. Maybe you don't call as many people. Maybe you call them in waves. Maybe we do voir dire by video conferencing. Uh, and that's something that's being looked at across the, the country. There are some difficulties about that, um, but from a technological standpoint, it's one of your easier problems to solve. The difficulty you have is you want a fair cross-section of the community when you do your voir dire, and not everybody has access to a computer. Maybe they don't have access to the minutes on their cell phone. And so how do you ensure a good cross-section of representation so that when you're, when you do your jury trials, you, you, you have a jury of your peers. So we're looking at all those, those types of creative solutions, but you're right. People are afraid of the idea of meeting together. And I tend to look at it from this lens. I think we will know when we're ready to, to do jury trials, when we are ready to send our kids back to school and we're ready to sit in football stadiums and with 80,000 of our closest friends. That's a pretty good indication that we're back to the point where we could do jury trials. Now putting on your personal hat, maybe a little bit more than your chief justice hat, what worries you most during this period of uncertainty? I, for example, have been particularly worried about solo and small practices, the economics of it, the particular stresses of it. You know, I think we each think of different things during this time. So what have, have you been thinking about and what has been worrying you the most? So our, it's across the board. This is just such a tough situation for so many stakeholders. Uh, first, you know, there's a health and safety concern. You know, we want everybody to be healthy and well. And we're concerned for the safety of our employees, our courthouse staff, our judges. And we've had many reports of people who have been seriously negatively impacted personally and in their families. We want the public to be safe as they come to the courthouse. Our court system is a system where we make people come. We compel their attendance. And that imposes upon us a a higher obligation to make sure that we can do so safely for those who we're forcing to leave their homes, the safety of their homes to come visit us at the courthouse. I worry about, um, like you said, the the practice of law and and the firms that are impacted. We have have law students who, who are trying to take the bar. We had to extend the bar exam 
to September. Uh, at some point, we're going to have to have a bar exam. We have to figure out how to do that. Those graduates want jobs. They need that bar exam in order to have a permanent job. We figured out how to give them a provisional license, but that doesn't work for everybody. Uh, budget cuts are going to be huge. Our court's looking at 14% budget reductions. Uh, many firms are looking at reductions. Uh, so in addition to all the restaurants and, and businesses and, and, and airline industry and hotels and all those folks who are impacted by job losses, we're going to have many people who are impacted by job losses. And that's just never a good, good picture that we want to look at. But that's the pessimistic side. <laughs> but yeah, there there are a lot of there are negative a lot of negative impacts associated with this. Yes, there are, and I think also about the return to work whenever that happens for all of us when we go back full time, full tilt. Uh, whether we're in the judiciary, solo practice, big firm, government, or whatever, what is that going to be like? I, I mean, I think for me, I know that there's been discussion at my law firm that we will perhaps be wearing masks all the time when we're anywhere outside of our own office. So if you're within the four walls of your own office with the door closed, you might be able to take the mask off, but otherwise you would be wearing a mask in any kind of common area. And what is that going to be like? We're social beings and, and we take our cues from how we read other people's faces in, in large measure. So I wonder what that's going to be like and, and what kind of stresses will come with that. So what stresses do you foresee? Because as I've just said, they're going to be very different from what we're facing right now. Well, so we're, we're looking at it from in, in, in increments, really. And so in the next 30 days and the next 30 days after that, we're trying to figure out how to get people into the courthouses and we're actually doing that now. Our last executive order, uh, judicial order extending the emergency urges courts to begin adding back services beyond those which are critical and necessary because we're having backlogs pile up right now. And these backlogs are not just numbers of cases. These are cases that represent lives and major issues that have to be tended to. So we're urging courts to, to get moving, but in a way that that provides for the safety of all involved. And so we've asked our courts to come up with plans and those plans have to deal with the moment a, a, an individual walks to the front door of the courthouse. How do they go through the screening? How do they get on the elevators? How do they walk into the courtroom? How many are in the courtroom? Do they have to plan to get there early because only two will ride the elevator? Will some take the stairs? How tall is your building? Uh, will you rope off certain areas? Will you put tape on the floor to, to indicate this uh, six foot, foot in, increments? Well, all these things are being worked out and we're asking the courts to push that information to the public so when they get held in the court, they don't have to guess where the court has thought about their safety. They can go on the website and say and see what their safety plan is and know that when they, they show up, their their safety has been thought of and provided for. So that will be in the next 30 days. It's going to be some time before we get to the point where we can hug people and, and shake hands. Until then, I think we will we will be you know, looking at each other funny when we walk past them in the hallway. Uh, it will be some time before we're comfortable piling people into an elevator. All those issues are, will, will, will be with us for some time. I'm hoping there's some positive takeaways. I'm hoping that we finally, finally learn 
not to sneeze in our hands uh, and and good exercise good practices that we've been taught along for you know for a long time but not, haven't really seen consistent uniform practice across the board yeah again i want to thank you for drilling down and talking about the details of what's going through your mind I think that's so helpful to people to hear the actual thought process. Are you going to put yellow tape down? How many people will be allowed in an elevator? How many people will be allowed in a stairwell? I think people benefit, again, I, I said that before, but I think they benefit from that kind of certainty and from hearing that from you. Um, and again, on an, a more upbeat note, as, as you mentioned a minute ago, I wanted to ask you, what have you done to stay well during this period from mental, social, and physical health standpoints? These are the three areas that are the focus of the Lawyers Living Well website, so I particularly wanted to track that in talking to you. Well, I think for me, um, my, one of my greatest joys in life is my kids. I have, I have three kids. They're all about to hit birthdays so their ages will vary uh and change right right about this time but i have a daughter who's 19 a son who's about to turn excuse me my daughter's 20 a son about to turn 19 and another son who's about to turn 17 and they all love music they love playing music uh recorded music making their own music some are good some are not so good but they're all home now all three of them i have uh before this two of them were off at college and to me, my greatest joy is the music in the home. Uh, they've a couple of them gotten to the point where it actually is musical, and that is my my greatest joy. Uh, there's additional stress that comes with folks in the home that that's just life, but uh, that 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 ministers to my soul. Uh, outside of that, uh, I've gone running from time to time. I need to do more. Before this pandemic hit, my, my outlet was to, to play basketball on a weekly basis, and I haven't found anything that's been able to substitute for that. I've been dying to go out and play some golf. I wish they, they would open up some of the public courses, but those are the kind of things that are on my mind. I need to get out and go running some more, uh, but I do have that energy that's pent up, and I, I need to make sure I maybe run some hard laps around the house or something. Well, now I'm envious of you because I've always wanted to be able to make music and the idea of being at home with my children and everybody making music, um, I think that sounds great. It also shows that we all have different answers, the different ways, different creative right. ways that we've come up with to address the fact that we've spent a lot of time in isolation and whether that's alone, really alone or with a family unit or otherwise, but with a very, very small group of people. Uh, and finally, I wanna ask you, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us about this period or, or otherwise? Well, you know, we talked about, talked about the challenges that have arisen as a result of the crisis. What we haven't talked about is how how many people have stepped up to those challenges and those those people have been truly amazing we we've come to appreciate our healthcare professionals we've come to appreciate our teachers i have been extremely impressed with our judges i've been extremely impressed with our bar leadership daryl sutton and 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 those folks and when i look around the leadership of the classes of court that exist, the municipal, magistrate, juvenile, probate, state, 
Superior, the Court of Appeals, and uh, the business court in our court. I look at the bar leadership. I look at the clerks of our courts across the state. We have the strongest set of leaders that I think we've ever had, and they are appropriately placed in their positions for a time such as this. And I've been so impressed how with how they've been able to step up to the plate, uh, meet the challenges, keep their their teams together, working in the right direction, coming up with creative ideas. We had plans in place to how we for how we dealt with things that we knew were going to happen during the pandemic. We had no plans, of course, for the things we had no idea we were going to face. And there's been a lot of those. But uh, that those leaders across the state have stepped up and they've been truly amazing. They've been great to work with. And it's been I, I can't tell you how much of it, it's been a great honor to work with with our, our colleagues throughout the state. And I want to add to that. I'm so glad that you said that. As chairperson of the Lawyer Assistance Committee, I have been so grateful to the leadership of the bar for making every effort to make sure that people stay well during this period. It's been a tremendous effort on everybody's part. Every single person who has had any input or or been in a position to try and make that happen has done so. And it's been just wonderful to see. Um, And you're doing that as well, speaking to us on this podcast and everything that you've done. And I can't thank you enough also for being on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope that you and your family continue to stay safe and well. I wish the same to all of our listeners. Thank you so much. And thank you for looking out for the well-being of our lawyers. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Lynn Garson, Chair of the Lawyer Assistance Program. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lawyers Living Well. If you need immediate confidential help, call the LAP hotline at 1-800-327-9631. That's 1-800-327-9631. You can also visit lawyerslivingwell.org for more wellness resources through the State Bar of Georgia. That's lawyerslivingwell.org. We hope you can join us next time.